You are listening to John Yard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. In this episode, Dr. John talks mood, memory, and emotional health. Hi, my name is Dr. John Yard, and I want to talk today about how to determine your Ayurvedic emotional body type. You know, we have the regular body type we talk about in Ayurveda, and you can take the questionnaire on my website for it to find that out. You can also take a questionnaire about determining your emotional type. This is really important because in our culture, we have, we have created a situation where we have become very distracted by our senses, by money, power, fame, success, stimulating activities, and we've lost something very, very important. In Ayurveda, they call that sattva. Sattva is the experience of your heart to be content and joyful and loving for no reason because it's your nature to be that. That is what's called sattva. And we have that as a young child. And that's why I think why adults are so attracted to kids because they're attracted to that sattva, that connection that they have to their heart, to their consciousness. And then as we grow, we, we, we find ice cream and stimulating activities and movies and candy and coke and money and power and fame. And we start to stimulate ourselves and we become very what's called rajastic. And we become very rajastic in our behavior, which means stimulating um, ourselves with our mind to become satisfied. So instead of getting hurt feelings as a young children, we use our mind to create a level of safety and security. So now I, I buy a new dress, or I buy new shoes, or I get a new car, or I eat more candy, or more cake, or more food, or more coffee, or more chocolate. All these things stimulate my mind to make me feel satisfied. At least give me the illusion of satisfying, of being satisfied, and that's called a rajasic mindset. And what happens over time with a lot of us in certain areas is that we become overly stimulated and it doesn't do it for us anymore. You know, the, the, the Starbucks and the chocolate and the money and the power and the fame, it doesn't work. It doesn't make me satisfied like it once did. It doesn't juice me like it once did. So I start to become too old to change. It's called tamasic. I kind of cocoon or retreat into a protective place where I, I, I don't engage in activities anymore. I withdraw, I smoke pot, I do alcohol, I drink, I, I drown myself in these kind of activities that make me numb to the world. So there's three basic emotional body types, sattva, which is truth of your heart, expansion of your heart, rajas, stimulation of the mind, giving you the illusion of satisfaction, and a tamasic mindset where you actually become protective and withdrawn from interacting with the world, unwilling to take that risk to be hurt. And when you take the questionnaire that's in the article associated with this video, you find out what your body type is, I give you strategies to kind of reverse the tendency for us to go from sattva to rajas to tamas and become more disconnected from our heart and how to re-enter to the only place that we're probably ever gonna be truly satisfied is when we take the risk to be more delicate, the risk to be more vulnerable, and maybe the biggest risk of all, to be loving and to be joyful, and maybe the biggest one of all, to be powerful. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard. I'd like to talk to you today about some very exciting research talking about how old childhood traumas, old protective emotional patterns of behavior can literally lodge deeply within the cellular structure and block the flow and function of your immune system, your psychology, 
your nervous system, and your endocrine system, which is your hormones. You know, in Ayurvedic medicine, they talk about toxic emotions, what's called mental ama, and how those old toxic emotions can really block the flow of energy in the body and cause and create the disease process. Well, at the NIH, researchers like Candice Burt have discovered that there are these neuropeptides that carry these emotions and literally flow through the body, a network of information in the body, and they, if not expressed, if these emotions are not released and you don't express yourself or throw pots and pans if you have to, then they can literally block the receptor sites. And now the flow of your immune system, your hormones, your nervous system, your psychology can literally be blocked and it can set you up for dysfunction and the disease process. So it's very important, really phenomenal really how an ancient Ayurvedic understanding was that this emotions, these emotions can block the flow of energy, and that's exactly the same language that they're using today. So it's very important for us to release those old emotional patterns, but if you're going to throw pots and pans, it's really important to understand why I'm throwing those pots and pans. Definitely let those emotions out, don't hold them, but then do the self-inquiry work to go underneath them and understand what's making you so angry. Now, Candace Pert, in her book, The Molecules of Emotion, has found that there are certain entry points for, to this neural network, this informational network, and that the major entry point is the sense of touch. And through massage, through daily touch, we can actually access these neural pathways and access this information network and release these old mental emotional patterns. There's one study with monkeys that were fed with metal bottles and containers and not nursed or not fed and they quickly became depressed. Then when they brought in a monkey who cuddled with them and nurtured with them and fed them in a really loving manner, they quickly became happy monkeys again. How important the sense of touch is, the sense to, to, to hold, to hug, to cuddle, is a very important part of this human psychology and the human health. And we don't do a lot of that. You know, in India, giving yourself a daily massage is something that's been done for you know, thousands of years. Some people, women, men in India who are 80 years old have given themselves a daily massage every day of their life. That's pushing 30,000 massages. So it's very important for us to understand the, sense, the value of the sense of touch and how when you touch yourself in a, in a comfortable, loving manner or others in a comfortable, loving manner, it provides a neural sense of safety, which sort of disarms these protective old patterns of behavior and allows us to gain access to these old traumas and begin to express them or release them and free up this neural network so the psychology, the immunity, your hormone system, your energy, your nervous system energy can begin to flow once again. In the article associated with this video, I talk about how to step by step by step how to do a daily Ayurvedic massage, something that I feel is very, very important to know how to do and something you may want to consider employing into your daily routine. Also, a few more hugs and a few more, a little bit more cuddling with your loved ones might be a great idea as well. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi. My name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about some exciting research about a hormone that actually delivers a deep sense of contentment. This is called the love hormone, or the cuddle hormone, or the giving hormone. Also, I want to talk to you about how to produce that hormone, and that requires us to have some understanding of what I like to call your emotional footprint. Imagine you come home from work and your wife is being mean to you for no reason. And you go, honey, what's wrong? Why are you being mean to me? And she goes, you know, three days ago, you were out to dinner and you were mean to me and it hurt my feelings and I'm still hurt and that's why I'm mad at you. 
and you realize, wow, three days ago, I did something I didn't even realize that hurt her feelings, and now she's being mean to me three days later. My reaction when she's being mean to me is to be mean back. And of course, that would hurt her further, and she wouldn't be mean back to me, and we would ultimately slowly separate, and our relationship would be split. Your emotional footprint is the footprint you make emotionally. If you're in a dizzy movie and you're walking through a garden, are the flowers you know, and branches running away from you as you crunch through the garden without any awareness of what you're stepping on or breaking or crushing? Or are you walking through the garden with awareness and are the flowers reaching out, blossoming, expanding, and greeting you as you walk through the garden? This is your emotional footprint. What is the impact you have? Are you walking through your life with awareness? Did you three days ago have an impact on your wife that hurt her feelings and now she's being mad at you? And your reaction is to maybe be mad back. There's an old saying that says, to the extent something affects you is to the extent it's your opportunity to take action. It's your karma is what the saying means. So if you are being hurt by another, you have the opportunity to take action based on the truth. Truth is you love your wife. She's throwing a dart at you. Do you need to throw a dart back? Or can you be aware that maybe I threw a dart at her three days ago and that's why this dart's coming at me and maybe I can take a chance now to act on not the dart that's being thrown at me, but the truth of the relationship which is I love her. So maybe try to let the dart go by and respond to her with an act of affection. Make her a cup of tea, rub her back, give her a big hug, tell her you love her and see how it makes you feel when you act on your truth. The one thing that makes us content, that fills us up, is acts of giving, acts of caring, acts of serving another. Your wife is feeling hurt. If you throw a dart back at her, it's gonna hurt her more. If you said love to her, the petals of her flower will open and make her feel willing to let a more true experience of herself out, the fact that she does love you and she'll take action on that truth. And now you have both of you experiencing the truth of each other, which I like to call true love. So give it a whirl. Try and see if you can let the dark go by and actually be aware of the impact you have when you walk into a room, when you interact with your wife and interact in other types of relationships. When you choose to respond to feelings of affliction with affection, you produce a hormone called oxytocin. Oxytocin is a hormone that's produced when you give and you serve and you care for others. It's actually produced in a mother when the mother gives birth to initiate labor. But now we know that it's not only about labor. When that baby is born, that oxytocin is produced in the mother, the baby, and the dad, and it creates a permanent bond that those parents will care for that child for the rest of their life. It's the bonding hormone. It bonds us together. And it comes when we care for another. And that's what happens and takes place when a baby is born. That hormone can be reproduced, and there's no limit to how much you can produce if you take care to love your wife, to love your family. Our tendency is to, I don't want to love her fully. She might not love me back. It might hurt my feelings. So therefore, I hold back and reserve myself to not love her and give myself fully to that relationship. Take a risk. What do you have to lose to love your family, your wife, your mother, your father fully? Take that risk and see what happens. That's when you produce the oxytocin. That's when you get fulfilled. It's when we give that we get. Give it a whirl. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John DeYard. Hi, my name is Dr. John DeYard, and I'd like to talk to you today about how to detoxify 
and transform old emotional patterns. You know, when we're very, very young, we create patterns of behavior in order to feel safe and secure. We create these molecules of emotion in our mind and we store them in our fat cells, according to Ayurvedic medicine, and they can stay there for a lifetime, remotely making us think and do the same dumb stuff again and again. Many of us are just acting out adult versions of childlike behavior. And these molecules of emotion need to be detoxified. And as we detoxify them and release them from our fat cells, we have the opportunity to make transformational change. We, if we engage in a process during a detox of self-inquiry or what's called in Ayurveda critical analysis, we begin to take action to make transformational change. These emotions are stored in our physical body and they need to be released from our physical body, our fat cells, so we can actually be released from these old protective survival patterns of behavior. At the end of the day, when we evaluate our health, we're gonna be looking down the barrel of what this crazy mind of ours has created in order to feel safe and secure. And that stress and that strain to be a perfectionist, to, to be an overachiever, to strive for the approval of others, that stress and strain, that worry is going to impact your physical body and actually cause and begin the disease process. Now, we have now well-documented study that I talk about in the article associated with the video that 95% of the serotonin in your body is actually in your gut wall, made in your gut wall, stored in your gut wall, and delivered to the rest of the body from your gut. We process our stress through our gut. 80% of disease, according to Ayurvedic medicine, is caused from an imbalance in your digestive system. So it's critically important that we recognize that only 5% of the serotonin is in our brain. The other 95% is in our gut. So how we handle stress through our intestinal digestive system and how we digest and detoxify is critical. Our digestive pathways are the same pathways as our detoxification pathways. So if you don't digest well, don't digest dairy or wheat or greasy food well, then there's a good chance you're not detoxifying well. And not only are we storing molecules of emotion in our fat cells, we're probably storing toxic chemicals, preservatives, pesticides, heavy metals, environmental pollutants in our fat cells as well. So it's critically important that we all engage in some type of a detoxification program on a regular basis, but not just physically detoxify, which is very, very important. We must also emotionally detoxify. And while these emotions are being released out of our fat cells, take action, make transformational change through a process of self-inquiry or critical analysis during the process of cleansing. And in Ayurvedic medicine at our life spa in Boulder, Colorado, we offer uh, an in-residence Panchakarma program. We do deep Ayurvedic psychology and self-inquiry. We also have a two-week at-home cleanse program called the Colorado, Colorado Cleanse, which is a cleanse where you, where you uh, uh, detoxify the fat cells, reset your ability to digest and detoxify. So once we release these toxins, your body can be reset in its ability to detoxify itself ongoing. And then also critically important is to make those transformational changes on a mental and emotional level because again it's this crazy mind of ours that drives our physical body into imbalance and i think we all realize how powerful our mind is how powerful worry is how powerful stress is when it comes to impacting our good health 
So let me give you an example of some of the self-inquiry that we offer during the Colorado Cleanse and during our Panchakarma program. Let's just say, for example, um, you have a partner. Think about all the ways that you might think, boy, um, I would love to change this or that about my partner. If, I, if they would stop doing this or start doing a little more of that, I would love them so much more. Make a list of all those things. And then next time your partner acts on one of those things and kind of pushes your buttons and starts to bug you, instead of reacting to that situation, just take a minute, maybe 15 minutes, and just chill. And don't say anything and don't react or respond. And while you're chilling, ask yourself and think about all the ways that you actually love that partner. And think about all the ways you love them. And then when you're ready, take action based on the truth of the relationship, which is that you love your partner. So go give them a hug, tell them that you love them, bring them a cup of tea. Some act of affection, some act of kindness, based on the feelings that you have that you actually love them in this way that you're actually thinking about. After you take action based on what's true about the relationship, ask yourself, how do you feel after expressing some affection or some kindness to that person instead of reacting to that thing that bugged you or that thing that they said in a negative, aggressive way? And you're going to realize that what you seek out in your life more than having them change or be this way or that way, what you're seeking out in your life more than anything else is for you to take, make the choice to let who you really are out, the fact that you love that person and that you're a loving person and act on that instead of waiting for them to change so you can then someday be your happy-go-lucky wonderful self. What if they don't change? You may never get an opportunity to be your wonderful loving self in your lifetime. And literally, a lifetime can fly by and you never get to be that wonderful, happy, joyful person that you are. And sometimes we end up just kind of angry and irritated and just projecting on the screen that person that we don't really appreciate. So please take a look at the article associated with this video. Uh, go to my website at lifespot.com, read more about our Colorado Cleanse and our detoxification programs that are involved in physical detox and mental and emotional transformation. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about an amazing herb that is recently emerging as a kind of super herb for the nervous system. The herb is called Bacopa. It's an Ayurvedic herb that has been treating neurological and nervous system conditions for thousands of years. It recently has been studied to treat anxiety, depression, memory loss, focus ability, attention deficit, learning and cognitive function. It's an herb that seems to increase the circulation of the brain so we have more energy to be more calm, more energy to be more focused. It's an herb that seems to increase the circulation of the brain so the neurotransmitters can activate receptor sites more efficiently. In one study in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, uh, Bacopa increased the production of neurotransmitters like serotonin and acetylcholine to treat anxiety and depression. The Drug Digest reported and said that Bacopa seemed to nearly match the effectiveness of prescription anti-anxiety medications. So here's an herb that seems to really 
boost up, pay off that exhaustive debt that we have that seems to affect our ability to stabilize mood and, and, and maintain you know, optimal cognitive function. And for our kids who are having difficulty in school, uh, learning and, 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 and focusing and kind of digging into their homework. This is an incredibly safe herb I've been using for many, many years uh, for attention deficit uh, issues uh, with kids. It's, it's just a phenomenal herb for that. You know, it's also interesting, we have a culture that in, in one recent ABC News report showed that one in seven Americans are diagnosed with depression each year. 13% of the Americans are diagnosed with anxiety. 10% of our kids are diagnosed with poor memory function, many of which have attention deficit syndrome that oftentimes carries over into adult life. So it's important to realize that not only, of course, an herb is going to be the, the cure-all for this condition, a healthy lifestyle, avoiding you know toxic foods and preservatives and pesticides, extremely important. I've written many articles about this subject. I've written books about this subject. It's something I believe passionately in. But I also wanted to introduce to you this particular herb that seems to do it all. It's an herb that seems to give us that extra boost of nervous system function so we can handle stress better, more like water off a duck's back, so it doesn't impact us nearly as severely and break ourselves down. In addition, what's beautiful about this herb, it seems to treat conditions like asthma, allergies, stomach ulcers, digestive issues. When, and I talk a lot about this in my other newsletters where we talk about how stress impacts the intestinal mucosa and causes all types of digestive issues and detoxification problems, how stress impacts the respiratory tract and causes allergies and asthma. These kinds of conditions are actually treated by this herb Bacopa because Bacopa seems to sever the relationship between the stress and the respiratory mucosa and the digestive mucosa, allowing the intestinal tract and the respiratory tract to handle the stress again like water off a duck's back. So we don't succumb to the degenerative impact of stress on our nervous system, stress on our digestive system, and stress on our respiratory tract. So it's a pretty powerful thing, particularly with kids who, are, who, who really are, 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 are very vulnerable to respiratory tract concerns. Definitely, without, without many of us realizing it, our kids do not have strong digestion. They have baby digestion that is just beginning to understand how to tolerate some of these very hard to digest foods that we eat on a regular basis. So boosting and protecting the digestive and respiratory mucosa is huge, as well as having that ability to protect the nervous system in such a way. So please go to my website, read more about this herb called Bacopa. Uh, in the article associated with this video, I cite many of the studies that have been done on, on, on this particular herb. And also go to my, my website or, and, and check out many of the articles and the newsletters I've written about the lifestyle to support a healthy and optimal functioning nervous system as well as a digestive system and digestive system that work well for the rest of your life. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you about an amazing herb called Brahmi, or Centella Asiatica. This is an herb that, according to the Ayurvedic text, is the number one or main herb for treating the nervous system and the brain. It's considered the most important herb for treating longevity, aging, 
uh, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, the dementia, senility issues. It boosts immunity. It boosts uh, adrenal function, memory. It is an extremely important herb or nerve tonic that has been used effectively for thousands and thousands of years. Now, we all know that stress bangs away at our intestinal tract. I've reported in my previous health reports that 95% of the serotonin in the body is actually produced, manufactured, and stored in your gut. And only 5% of that serotonin is actually in our brain at any given time. So we know now that we process stress through our intestinal tract. When we're under stress, the tissues, the skin that lines your intestinal tract becomes tense. And when the skin, wherever there's nerve endings, whether there's skin on your, on your body, on your face, in your intestinal tract, lining your arteries, or inside of your heart, in some of your organs, wherever there's skin, and there's stress that impacts that skin, the tissues will tense and blood supply will be compromised. When that happens, the body lays down a protective tissue called scar tissue or fibrous tissue. And that renders this tissue is extremely tough and very, very rigid and non-elastic. It's kind of like if you don't water your lawn, you get crabgrass. It's still grass, but it's a tough version of grass. So when the body is under stress, it produces a fibrous tissue that lines the skin, makes the skin more thick, less functional as an organ so it can take nutrition in and waste out. And if the skin on the outside of your body is lined with scar tissue, it's not going to glow, it's not going to radiate, it's not going to function as an organ. On the inside of our body, in our organs, and particularly the most important skin that lines your digestive tract, and when this skin becomes damaged, irritated, and laced with fibrous tissue, it becomes non-functional. Now this herb, Brahmi, or Centella Asiatica, has been actually shown to actually reverse the production of scar tissue. There's a condition called scleroderma, which is defined by its, its ability to actually produce extra fibrous tissue in all of the skin in the body. It creates Raynaud's conditions in your skin where, where, where the, the vessels of your skin, the venous drainage of your skin becomes compromised and your fingers get cold. It can cause thickening of your skin, thickening of your intestinal wall. It can cause thickening of the muscle in the heart. It creates problems throughout the body because fibrous tissue accumulates. This herb, Centella asiatica, or Brahmi, has been shown in numerous studies that I cite in the article associated with this video to actually reverse and actually help to remodel the collagen, reverse the production of the fibrous tissue, decrease the fibrous tissue, and protect the accumulation of the fibrous tissue. It was just shown in some studies that I also cite to actually help the stomach and small intestine heal itself from uh, stomach or duodenal ulcers. It's been shown in other studies that I also cite to actually reverse or de decrease the production of arterial plaque. Again, this is the plaque, the fibrous tissue building up in the skin that lines your arterial walls. So here's an herb that helps to increase the nervous system's ability to handle stress, to help sever the relationship of the stress banging away at your intestinal tract where it compromises digestion. Many of the digestive problems uh, that we have as a result of stress, we don't even notice. We stop eating hard to digest foods, we change our diet, we get tired after we eat a meal, we bloat, we have heartburn, we have gas indigestion, we have constipation. Many of these very common problems are caused by the impact of stress 
on our digestive system. The digestive system becomes irritated. It produces this fibrous tissue which compromises function of the digestive system and eventually compromises the absorption of the nutrition that we need to handle the stress in an appropriate manner and stabilize our mood and our mental health. So here is an herb, this Brahmi or, or, or Centella Asiatica. It helps the body cope with stress and it actually repairs the skin everywhere. It's been shown in studies to repair the damage of the skin externally as well as the skin internally. So please do some research. Go to my website at lifespot.com. Read more about this herb Brahmi and how it's so effective for healing and repairing the skin and protecting the nervous system from being exhausted and worn out from, from a life of stress and wear and tear. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard. I wanna to talk to you today about just some of the most exciting research on meditation. A Nobel Prize winning scientist, her name was Elizabeth Blackburn, did research on the protective caps on our chromosomes called telomeres. Every time our cells divide, they wear out and over time get shorter and they're a metric for the aging process. Then she said, okay, so the longer the telomeres, the more youthful you are, the shorter they get over time with wear and tear, the more aged you are. She said, what happens if we measure people under a lot of stress? What happens, does it accelerate, does it accelerate the aging process? She took 58 women, half were highly stressed, half were not, and she found that people that were highly stressed had much shorter telomeres to the tune of about a decade, 10 years of accelerated aging. It was phenomenal. She actually eventually won the Nobel Prize based on that research. Then she said, well, what happens if, does that accelerated aging predispose them to health concerns? She found out the answer was yes. Many studies started coming in. In one group of elderly men, they were three times as likely to die over a nine-year period of time if they had shorter telomeres from a cardiovascular issue. Another group were twice as likely to get diabetes uh, over a period of time if they had shorter telomeres. The, the uh, articles that I cite with this researcher in the article associated with this video, so please go read this, this, uh, these articles and read this research. It's just phenomenal. So then she said, Okay, we know that when you're aging, that when, that when you get old, your telomeres get short. When you get sick, your telomeres get short. When you get stressed, your telomeres get short. What would happen if we mitigated stress? And she then decided to measure meditation. Now, for a Nobel Prize winning scientist to me measure study meditation is extremely rare. It's considered you know, very controversial. She took a lot of heat for measuring something as non-scientific as meditation. We gotta give her a lot of credit for going down this road. Very few scientists would do what she did, but what she did was she took a group of, uh, a group of people, 30 people, and had them go on a three-month meditation course compared to a group that were on the wait list for such a course. And she found that the telomerase activity, telomerase is an enzyme that protects the telomeres, makes them longer, was 30% 30% more active with the group that actually did the meditation course. In another group at UCLA, they found that this group that uh, did 12 minutes of chanting meditation per day had a 43% increase of telomerase activity, protective enzyme activity for the telomeres to make them longer. Just phenomenal research. And she was like, we know now, and these are pilot studies, but the proof is still coming in that stress helps break us down. We sort of all sort of know that. 
but meditation is a powerful tool to lengthen the telomeres and actually protect us from all types of imbalances. And many studies have shown with, with regard to meditation that it supports mental activity, behavioral flexibility, emotional flexibility, cognitive function, blood pressure, a host of health indexes that I cite in the article associated with this video, and it's very, very important. I believe that all of us should meditate. I have posted my one-minute meditation uh, video for free for years that people can watch. We actually have a, a course called the Transformational Awareness Technique, Six Meditations to Emotional Freedom, where, and we give two of those, the first two lessons for free, so people can at least get started. I would love that everybody first tries to meditate. And the reason why I created the transformational awareness technique because I found lots of folks start it, they don't really know if they're doing it right, and they give up. They never really get the juice, the results. So I created six meditations so everybody can do it, everybody can be successful. And more importantly, I found was that when you meditate, you create a heightened level of awareness. The key is to take that awareness into action and change your life, change crazy old mental, emotional patterns of behavior in your brain and free yourself from doing the same dumb thing again and again and again. And that's what meditation is for. But I found very few, I've never found a meditation course that actually told people what to do with the awareness that they got from the meditation. We know, of course, just meditating and stilling your mind is extremely valuable. It has great benefits on your telomeres. But does it change your life, your emotions, your patterns of behavior, the stress that you're under every day? And that's what we uh, sought to do with the transformational awareness technique. So please check out the free videos associated with that technique. See if you like it, get a gut feeling with it, and then take the six-week meditation course and learn how to change your life. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. John Biard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Biard. I want to talk to you today about how our mind and our emotions can actually affect our health from an Ayurvedic perspective. Now, according to Ayurveda, there are these sheaths or koshas that wrap the body. And the most fundamental sheath is our bliss sheath, our Ananda Maya Kosha. Babies are born with you know, this expanded bliss and, and they're full of this radiance of the truth of them, the bliss of them. And, and we can make the case that we are naturally blissful. We know that when our, our microbes are, are exposed to love and kindness and joy, they thrive and they expand, the good ones do. And when we're under a lot of stress, the good guys disappear. So we, we can make the case that 90% of us is thriving in a very blissful environment. And we, as young babies, are just full of bliss. And we realize that you know things aren't maybe going that well. We get traumatized as we grow up. We realize that you know, the kids maybe aren't being so nice to us. We're not getting the love and approval from our mom and dad as much as we would like to. So we start to create a little bit of a personality. We taste ice cream. We start to be attracted to our senses. And all of a sudden, the monomaya kosha, the mental sheath begins to kick in and say, hey, you know what? That love that I was getting over there was sort of inconsistent in the whole bliss sheath thing. So I'm going to actually see if I can get it from ice cream and approval from mom and dad and more stimulus in my environment and video games and different types of sensory stimuli is where we begin to go to get satisfied. This is the monomyakosha. That monomyakosha impacts the flow of the prana, the energy sheath, the, the vitality that, that supports subtle energy in the body that we know supports uh, the the microbiology uh, when the microbiology now we know supports the, the the emotions and the mental capacity and pretty much 
every physiological function in the body. We also know that when you're under a lot of stress, that prana flow impacts the function of the body, the anamaya kosha, and begins to disturb the function of the body. It breaks down and becomes um, compromised in terms of its ability to maintain health. So what happens is this bliss sheath gets protected or walled off. They call it the great barrier sheath where the mind walls off access to the heart. The heart is extremely delicate and our mind employs our, our heart rather employs our mind to protect us so we stop getting hurt feelings. And as a result of that, as a result of that protection, we create a personality that we project on the screen to get safe and secure. And that could be a straight A student, a perfectionist, a pleaser, a class clown. It can be a variety of things. Based on your personal raw material, you're gonna create a personality to get safe and secure. We are hardwired as young children to get approval from mom and dad that is our safety. If we didn't you know, care about the approval of mom and dad, we would have wandered into the jungle a long time ago, got eaten by lions, and there'd be no people here. So clearly, we need that approval. We keep ratcheting up that approval through our childhood with creating a personality, and that personality sometimes works, sometimes doesn't work, and next thing you know, we find ourselves spending much of our energy trying to get the approval from our boss, our spouse, wanting other people's behavior to be just the way we want it so we feel safe and secure. We're still driving that same exact program. So we can become the director of this movie. This is what Ayurveda is all about, is bring the body back into balance, move the, with, with Ayurveda and lifestyles and sync with the natural cycles and the right herbs to bring the physical body back into balance. Prana, the pranamaya kosha, yoga, breathing, meditation, moves prana, helps the body become more self-aware. The prana can then move into the body and keep the body healthy. The prana can then move into the mind and still the mind, create a heightened level of awareness. And with that heightened level of awareness, you have clarity and therefore choice. Choice to choose the crazy protective pattern you created as a child that, that definitely delivered safety and security, but is it still working today as an adult? That's the game of life. That's what Ayurveda is really about, is to get you to that place where you go, whoa, wait a minute. Why am I spending so much of my energy trying to get my mom and my dad and my husband or my spouse or my wife or partner to be the way I think they should be, so then I feel, therefore I feel safe and secure. What if I just did me and freed myself to let the very delicate petals of my flower open and let me out? Now that would be really risky, because what if they don't like me? What if they judge me? What if they don't approve me? What if they don't love me as much as I could? See, this is what Ayurveda is about. Bring the body into balance, get the prana to move into the body so the body's less dense physically, get the prana to move into the mind so the body, mind becomes more still, and that gives us clarity, clarity to choose. Choose between the illusion that we created as a child to be safe and secure, which was perfection, by the way. It wasn't good or bad or right or wrong. It was perfect at that time. But as an adult, we can change the game. We can become the director of the movie, change the lines in the script. We can change the entire scene. We have the ability to play the role we were meant to play in this life as opposed to continue to play the role that we started as a child and we keep playing versions of the same role in the same movie and doing the same, in many cases, dumb thing again and again and again and again. And all that impacts, all that stress, all that doing so much energy to get other people's approval, to make other people happy, to keep everybody out there in a way, doing what you think they should do or behave in a way that you hope they'll behave so you feel safe and secure. We're still driving the program of safety and security. 
as opposed to, and we spend, and we end up spending a lot of our life doing everybody else behaving based on what we think they will like. And therefore, if they like us, we're approved of, we're safe and secure, as opposed to just doing you fully. You love your mother, you love your father, you love your sister, you love your brother, you love your job, you love your, you're passionate about things, be that freely. And the thing that blocks us from that, of course, once we have the self-awareness, the thing that blocks us from that is fear. And they always say that the, the, the fear is directly across from the bliss. The reason for fear is to get your attention. So you can go to the pain and fear, through the pain, access who you are, and free yourself and let who you are out. That is an Ayurvedic prescription. So we have to go through the fear. And I use the analogy in the article associated with this video, like, like Batman. Batman was afraid of bats. Something happened when he was a young kid. He fell into some bat cave hole thing and freaked out about bats and was always afraid of them. So when he became up and grew up and became Batman, he moved into a bat cave and became one with the bats and loved the bats. And he, so he moved through his fears. So as we become more self-aware with the yoga, the breathing, meditation, Ayurvedic lifestyle, you're going to be able to have the clarity to go, oh, that's my fear. I'm afraid of not getting the approval. I'm afraid of what they might think. I'm afraid of I might not get love back in return. So I then put all this energy out to get that return of investment. And when you realize that that's a fear, that you don't get that return, then you have an action step, an action step that will free you. And that is the ultimate goal, the action step. The final piece of the puzzle is action. In Ayurveda, they say, establish being, become more clear, more self-aware, and then you must perform action. Establish being, perform action. That is the, the Vedic mandate. And if we can use these tools yoga, breathing, meditation, Ayurveda as self-awareness tools. That's what they are. It's not complete until we finish the job with action. And that's what the article is about. That's what uh, Ayurveda really truly is about. That's what yoga is really truly about. Just, even though we think yoga is a great physical fitness tool, it's an awareness tool to give you the clarity of how you're engaging in behavior in the world and how you can do you instead of responding with your behavior based on what you think everybody else would love and like and approve of. So how can we begin to do you and stop doing them is, is by really understanding the real purpose of Ayurveda and yoga and breathing and meditation. So please I, I read this article. It's a very cool article, again, you know, laying this out in a very simple format so we can begin to take action and free ourselves from old protective patterns. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I'm going to share with you today the benefits of a positive attitude. You know, in the article associated with this video, I cited as much of the research I could find that shows the benefits of a positive attitude. In one study, they showed that just laughing increases the immunoglobulins in your saliva to support better immune health. How powerful is that? Another study I wrote about a while back was when you write a love letter to someone, you document love, a positive attitude, that it actually lowers your cholesterol. Another study, they showed that when people left the hospital happier and more joyful in a joyful attitude, they had a significant reduction in readmission rates. Another study showed that vets who were injured <clears throat> had significantly higher recovery rates when they were optimistic versus pessimistic. In another study, they found that when people actually write down or journal their positive sentiments, they had people writing down for 10 weeks their, um, 
they're uh, counting their blessings or <clears throat> counting their obstacles. And when they counted their blessings, they had significant health improvements. They saw longer sleep, deeper sleep, better sleep. They exercised more, saw the doctor less, lots and lots of benefits. And they said that the specific benefits they saw when people express gratitude. I love gratitude. Gratitude is a sentiment that we use a lot in our transformational awareness meditation course that we teach because gratitude you know, comes from the word gratis, which means free. When you express gratitude, that deep, deep thankfulness, it's a, it's a, it's a technique of, of freeing yourself in an emotional way on a very deep level. It's very, very powerful. So expressing gratitude, just a great habit to get into, to glean the benefits of a, of a positive attitude. They show that when people express gratitude and they write about their life um, in, in, a, in a positive way, talk about the good things that happen in their life, that they actually live longer. Uh, many studies have shown that when people actually write about positive things, they have longer lives and better immunity and better health indexes. It's very, very powerful. They've also shown that when people, um, when people think about positive thoughts, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, the repair nervous system. When you think about negative thoughts, it activates the, the sympathetic fight or flight response, which is degenerative. And it's, you know, it's a bear chasing you, you get up a tree, save your life. It's an emergency degenerative chemistry and it breaks our bodies down. It also has been shown to decrease the, the, the good quality microbes in the intestinal tract when you're under sympathetic stress. So negative thoughts don't support healthy microbiology. Of course, we're 90% bugs, so that's important. But positive thoughts increase parasympathetic activity, turns on your digestion, reboots, rejuvenates the nervous system and the body, as well as supports the proliferation of good microbes. In Ayurveda, this is called a sattvic lifestyle. It means a healthy, positive, giving, caring, loving, nurturing lifestyle. Very, very valuable. I wrote an article once, and you can go check it out. It's called, um, your emotional body type. And you take a questionnaire to see how sattvic, how positive basically is your lifestyle versus how negative. And we use Ayurvedic terms, but, but the same rules apply. And you can see exactly whether you're living a sattvic lifestyle or not. And how to then scrub some of those lacking of positive attributes that you might have. Very, very powerful thing. In fact, we have a whole one month course called the 28 day Ayurvedic challenge where we give you a different Ayurvedic lifestyle technique to support health and a, and a positive outlook, a sattvic lifestyle for 30 days. It's very, very powerful. So you can experience Ayurveda, the benefits of a sattvic lifestyle and the benefits of a, a, a positive attitude and what it does for your immunity, for your longevity, for your optimal health in many, many ways. Very powerful and simple, right? just looking for ways to be positive and then taking action on that positivity lays down new neural pavement in your brain so you can drive down roads that are positive and life supporting versus driving down those old negative roads that actually are you know taking our microbes and our immunity and our overall health out lots of stuff you can do just simply by changing your attitude the way to do that change your lifestyle. So please check it out. Read the article where I, I list all the studies. It's pretty compelling. Lots of good motivation to get positive. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Briard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Briard, and I want to talk to you today about some interesting research that links prediabetes to increased risk of Alzheimer's. In one study, 
people who had just borderline diabetes or prediabetes had a 70% increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease in their life. Half of the people who are over 85 have Alzheimer's disease. One third of the American population, that's 100 million people, have prediabetes today, putting them at significant risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. We know that increased blood sugar in our country is an epidemic. It's directly linked to the number one killer, which is cardiovascular disease, and it's also now being linked directly to Alzheimer's disease. You know, when you have a lot of sugar in your blood, the body doesn't know what to do with it. The brain really doesn't want that sugar in the blood, and the body becomes insulin resistant. The brain becomes insulin resistant, and the sugar stays in the blood. And we've talked about, I did a whole series of newsletters on blood sugar. The excess, excess sugar in your blood goes right into belly fat and hip fat, and it also turns into cholesterol, but it also glycates. Glycation is a process in where the proteins and the sugars stick together and they clump the blood, make the blood very, very thick. And there are these things called advanced glycation end products, or AGEs. And these advanced glycation end products are very damaging. They're the leading cause of arterial disease and cardiovascular disease, it's kind of why it happens. It causes oxidation in the body, in the arteries, and in the brain. Studies with, uh, in autopsies of people with Alzheimer's disease had significant amounts of these AGEs in the brain compared to normal folks. There are very dangerous AGEs that are directly linked to damaging certain neurons that control cognitive function and memory. There are also AGEs that are linked directly to depositing beta amyloid plaque in the brain, which is the hallmark for Alzheimer's disease, is plaque building up in your brain. Now, there's also an enzyme called the insulin degrading enzyme. And what that does is when the sugar gets really high in the blood, the, uh, the, the body says we've got to get rid of that sugar. So it has this enzyme, insulin-degrading enzyme, that takes the insulin out of the blood so there's not excess sugar trying to drive into the brain. Like I said, the brain becomes insulin-resistant and it can't take that kind of sugar. So they have this enzyme to help remove it so we don't actually damage the brain. Problem is, is that this enzyme also removes beta amyloid plaque from the brain. So if the brain or this enzyme is too busy dealing with the insulin, then it's going to leave the plaque and the beta amyloid plaque can accumulate in the brain and that can predispose us again to Alzheimer's disease. We have this thing called insulin resistance of the brain and studies at the Oxford University in England have been studying coconut oil as a new kind of energy supply for the brain. That actually coconuts are as a fat, and these fats burn as ketones instead of sugar. So when they give the brain ketones instead of sugar, the brain starts to function better. Cognitive function in folks with Alzheimer's was improved, where when you give them regular sugar or glucose, the brain can't take it. The brain has stopped being able to use sugar. So when you start eating all the sugar you're eating, Think about what that's doing to your brain. It overwhelms the brain, and eventually the brain, according to some studies, are saying, I just can't take it, and now maybe I have to use another fuel supply. But boy, that also is linked to AGEs, which cause damage, that lay down plaque, and can sometimes do some permanent damage to our brain function. So what can we do? Well, clearly what we can do is protect ourselves from blood sugar issues early on. I'm a big fan of getting your own glycometer, test your blood sugar in the morning, make sure those numbers are actually not in the danger zone. Anything over 100, 
uh, milligrams per deciliter is considered pre-diabetes, but really all the current research says that the safest zone is going to be between 70 and 85, and anything over 85 increases this risk of glycation and also excess damage to arteries and even brain tissue. Uh, also, remove the hidden sugars. We, gosh, there's so many hidden sugars, dried fruits and all the healthy sugars, molasses and honey and agave. These are all sugars. They go right into the brain. They go right into the blood. They damage the artery, and they actually cause this increased risk of prediabetes. Proper exercise, really important. Great studies that show that exercise really does work, and I've written articles about how to exercise. Please tune into that. Meals, not snacks. Eating meals, 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 meals all day long never gives your body a reason to burn its fat. You need to be a good fat burner. If you have breakfast, nothing to lunch, your body will burn fat in between. If you eat all day, your body will just eat the meals you had, you, you're eating all day long, and you'll never give the body a reason to become a really good fat burner. And of course, we want to lose weight, but more importantly, it's the fuel that's stable and calm that our brain really requires. There are many herbs that we can look at, and I invite you to go to my website and research some of these herbs that support good, stable, balanced blood sugar uh, and brain function. Uh, uh, gymnema, one of the classic Ayurvedic herbs supporting blood sugar. Turmeric, um, chromium, a mineral that supports blood sugar. Alpha lipoic acid, omega-3 fatty acids, all these things. Please do your research. Herbs, Ayurvedic herbs like bacopa and brahmi supporting cognitive function. Uh, I list those and cite the studies, those on my website as well. So please do your research. Please know that there's a direct link now between sugar issues which are rampant in our culture, and the increased risk of Alzheimer's boy, and that's a risk I wouldn't want to take. Uh, please check out the article where I go into detail uh, that's associated with this video on my website at lifespa.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you today about some exciting research that has linked vitamin B12 deficiency to the actual shrinking of the brain. When the brain shrinks, we're at a much higher risk of Alzheimer's, cognitive issues, memory loss. In fact, people with normal B12 levels have actually six times less likely of a chance to get Alzheimer's or actually have a shrinking brain compared to those who are, in fact, deficient. Vitamin B12 is an extremely common deficiency. Tufts University has said that at least 40% of the American population are deficient in vitamin B12. And in fact, people, with the, people who are vegetarians, who are on any type of medication, or uh, are a little bit on the older side, where their digestion gets a little bit weaker, are at a significantly higher risk. Vitamin B12 is the energy vitamin. It boosts energy, boosts vitality. It's a precursor to serotonin and dopamine and cortisol. It's a mood-stabilizing vitamin. In fact, in one study, it showed that people who are on antidepressants that, are, that, are, that they're not responding to actually showed that B12 actually gave them much better support than the antidepressants and, in fact, helped the antidepressants work better. Now, what's interesting about vitamin B12 is it also is linked to higher levels of this toxin called homocysteine. Homocysteine may be the most reliable risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And when your homocysteine levels are high, you're at risk for arterial plaque, 
heart attacks, stroke, a host of cardiovascular issues. So vitamin B12 becomes a vitamin for energy, for vitality, for mood, keeps your brain from shrinking. This is a vitamin that you do not want to become deficient in. Now, why is it so prevalent? Why are we so deficient in this vitamin? Well, it's hard to digest. In fact, that many of us don't have great digestive systems. It's a very hard uh, vitamin to break down. It comes in proteins and you need a really good stomach acid to break it down. If you don't have good stomach acid, you're not gonna release the B12. The stomach acid also makes a protein in your stomach. It's called the intrinsic factor. And this intrinsic factor actually hooks on to the vitamin B12 and carries it all the way through the small intestine where it then gets absorbed into the bloodstream. Now, it's interesting, now I've reported on this many times, that 95% of the serotonin in our body is actually produced in the small intestine, in the intestinal tract wall. Now, we think that most of the serotonin is in our brain, but it's been shown now with very new cutting-edge research that this is actually taking place in our gut, that we literally process stress through our gut. So researchers are thinking now that what's happening is that the B12 is involved in many of these manufacturing processes along and on the way through the intestinal tract where it's actually manufacturing serotonin and dopamine and other stress fighting neurotransmitters to support us and help us handle and cope with stress. That's why it's so critically important for us to have a really good digestive system. You know, what are the quality of your villi? How strong is your digestive fire? These are really important factors. Well, how do you know? Well, if you don't digest wheat very well, that takes a good strong acid in your stomach to break down the gluten. If you don't digest dairy very well, that takes a good strong acid in your stomach to break down the casein in milk. Other hard to digest foods like nuts and corn and soy, all very hard to digest, require a good digestive stomach. If you have bloat around your belly, extra weight around your belly, this is an indication that the lymph system, it's called gut-associated lymph, and I've written many articles about this, gets swollen. And that's a great indication that your villi in your intestinal tract are compromised. And if you have loose bowel movements or constipation or mucus in your stool, you're probably not absorbing your nutrition. I promise you, vitamin B12 is one of the hardest ones to absorb and digest. So you're probably deficient in that. So make sure you get optimal B12 levels. Now, when you combine B12 with folic acid and B6 in a sublingual form, which means that you take it under your tongue and it absorbs directly into your bloodstream through the sublingual channels, we bypass the digestive system, which may be a little problematic. So while we're fixing your digestion, we support the deficiency by sucking on these very small B12 products. We have one called Vitamin B12 Boost, and it boosts energy and mood and cardiovascular protection. Make sure your brain doesn't shrink, and you take three of these a day to protect yourself or to, to treat a deficiency, or one a day to protect yourself against a deficiency, and you get direct sublingual absorption of the B12 into your bloodstream to support brain function, mood stability, clarity, memory, cardiovascular support, and mood stability. So please check out the article associated with this video on my website at lifespot.com. I've met, written many articles and many videos on how to strengthen your digestive system and turn your digestive fire back on, heal your villi so you can absorb your B12 again as well. And I've written a more extensive article on B12 deficiency, so please check out the archives of my newsletters, my health reports at, on my website at livespa.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard.
This recording is brought to you by Life Spa, where ancient Ayurvedic wisdom meets modern science. Get access to free health video newsletters by Dr. John at lifespa.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 